Got it, got it. Okay. Thank you. There you go. Everybody say hi, Roseanne. Some of you guys actually came back after last week. Thank you. <laughs> I wonder if there'll be like an influx of people about now thinking it's... Yeah, about yeah, five, ten more minutes. Um, no, this morning I was going through my notes. For some reason I was like, I am not prepared whatsoever. Thank God he carries the weight of it. So I'm talking about <laughs> and the dog That puts you in such a bad position. Anyways, go. So the dog was kind of staring up at me, so I'm like, hey, okay, I'm just screech to the dog. And he rolls over and falls asleep. <laughs> so I'm just hoping none of you do that. <laughs> I was like, oh. I know, if Tucker doesn't even stand. Tucker's a, Tucker's a, it has a lot of issues as a brown lab. So, hey, so we're gonna talk about community this morning. Community is, is something that in the 20th century we always talked about. Those of us that are a little old, age um, blessed, when we used to talk about community, you talked about the neighborhood you were a part of, right? I, I, was, I was from Lakewood, California, and that has a specific connotation and an and a, and a understanding. Even in the New Testament, it was always part of a group. And a person's identity was, was placed in the group that they were a part of. Whether it was location specific or ethnic, it was, it was where I was. So like if you would have asked me growing up, hey, what are you a part of? I'm, I'm a California kid, right? I'm, I'm a Southern SoCal kid, right? And I, I, I went to Lakewood High, and that's what I was. Yet we know in today's world that has radically changed. We know that community is no longer a part of where you were born into, but a community is now a part of something that you get to choose to be a part of. That we're all about our individuality right now. We celebrate the individual. In our, in our nation, now we're a nation of individuals. That's why a lot of people, I think, have a problem with, with some of the stuff nationally because like, oh, that doesn't mess with me, I'm, I'm me. So in today's world, the, 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 the term community is that. It's a group of people having a particular characteristic in common. So no longer are we, hey, we're Greeley people, or we're Colorado people, or, or, or we're whatever we are people. We're individuals, and yet that has created a tension. We love our individuality, but we all want to yearn. And sociologists will tell you that humanity always wants to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And yet, oh, don't mess with me. It's all about me. I love me. I love you, but I love me more. Right? And, and so we look at our lives as a way of what do we do with that tension? So when the pastor talks about we're a community, like, well, we're a community of individuals. And yet we know that God has designed us not only to be a part of something greater than us, but even when the world was perfect in Genesis, God looks at man and he goes, hey, it's not so good for you to be alone. So we are created to be in, in relationship. And not just in relationship, but in community. Among a group of people. And there's two sections in Scripture that we're going we're gonna to look at. The first is in Acts 3, 1 through 3. 
And it kind of tells us, and it will show us the story in Acts and the story in Luke, will show us the difference in what society might deem acceptable. And yet what God has for us, what God's called us to, what God has been a part of our lives. So in Acts 3, it says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple, a lame man, I guess I have that on the slides, a lame man from birth was being carried in. So if you if you want to have a keynote, a lame man from birth was being carried in, and each day he was put beside the temple gate. So a group of people carried him to this temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. In the New Testament, in Jewish tradition and society, there was a place that, that the unclean and the impure and, and the less of society could not go. In the temple, that was that gate. That was the delineation between where a lame person could go and, and the really holy people could go. It was 75 foot tall. And when you look at this story, you're like, man, somebody had to carry this dude every single day to this gate. Every single day. And, and, and in our society, we would ce celebrate that. We would, we would say that, man, that's a, like an extra effort. Like, I wouldn't do that. I'd hire somebody. Get an Uber driver or something. <laughs> But every single day it says these guys, this man who was lame from birth was picked up and carried to this gate and he was left there. And then I would assume that after business hours in the temple were done, they would come back after their day, pick him up, take him home. Every single day, seven days a week. That to me, it sounds like at first blush, a pretty powerful community. And yet what I would suggest, it gives us a great indicator of the, the, the dilemma that many of us face living in today's world. Because they didn't do anything more than what was socially acceptable. Their community in this Acts 3 narrative accepted what was acceptable and approachable and applauded and nothing more. Right? I'm a great, I'm a great friend of his, but I'm just gonna leave him where everybody else tells me to leave him, and then I'm not gonna do anything else. And and sometimes in our relationships, we kind of approach life that way. I don't want to get into your business. I don't want to overstep my bounds. I don't want to talk about anything. I'm just gonna be a friend. But really what a friend becomes in today's world is nothing more than someone who pats us on the back. That leaves us close to something that can transform us, but not close enough to be risky. And that's not the community God has for us. It's the community that our world champions because we're a group of individuals. And I don't have a right to get in, in her face, or I don't have a right to make her uncomfortable. And my relationship sure isn't going to make me uncomfortable. And yet God asks us for so much more. I'm not just eye candy, okay? <laughs> wow. Whoa, okay. Wow. Wow. All I say is wow. It breaks attention. It does, breaks attention. Well, the, the second story is in Luke. Well, I'm just taking <laughs> Facebook Live eye candy. No. You, no. you started it. Sure. I had to get some air out here. Okay. okay um, the second story is in Luke 5, um, verse 17 through 19. 
It says, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of Jewish, or, excuse me, of religious law were sitting nearby, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, and they tried to get inside to see Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. But when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. In both stories, the guys, the friends of the friend or the paralyzed person, they're present, but, and they're aware of his need. But the friends in Acts are kind of more physically present. They go through the motions every day. We're taken to the gate. The friends, they're kind of like, hey, we're praying for you. <coughs> Hope the best for today, but we're off to work. The friends in Luke were present, but they are also engaged emotionally. They were bought into this. They're, they knew the need of their friend, and they truly wanted their friend to meet Jesus. They knew their friend's story. It was more like, you have a need for an answer to prayer, and we want to actively be part of that answer. I think that's a cool challenge for us, too. So what does it mean to be present in community? It's being fully engaged, establishing meaningful connection. It's not going, just going through the motions. It's listening to a person and finding out their story. When you find out someone's story, it changes your perspective. It's, not, it's, it's harder to judge somebody when you really know their story. Being present is when you listen without judgment, with the intention of, of understanding. It's kind of like what we talked about last week. It's learning from other people. It's not putting them on pause when we're distracted by this thing. Sometimes it's like when we talk to someone in church and we find out their problem. Um, we say, yeah, I'll pray for you, and we walk away and we forget about it. Being present is praying right then and there, in that moment. It's making effort to check in on them. It's, it's setting reminders even for, like, to Pray specifically. For me, being present, this is, there's a phrase I use to just remind myself. It's care about what people you care about care about. Care about what people you care about care about. <coughs> Let's go back to Luke again. That um, scripture says, Verse 18 says, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. Like what Dave shared, there's, many would stop at that point. Like the, the other guys in Acts, they stopped at the gate because they knew that's what society expected of them. The guys in Luke were persistent they were determined to get their friend to Jesus. And they had to think outside the box. Um, if we can't get through the door, how else can we reach him? 
I can just imagine them brainstorming. Maybe it was like when they, the inception of the drone, dropping drone. <laughs> but they, they brainstorm, like, how can we do this? And, and also I imagine them saying, okay, let's go up on the roof. And then the, the guy on the mat's like, hey, I'm paralyzed. You're going to get me on the roof? But they had this attitude of where there's a will, there's a way. Nothing's going to stop us. It's kind of like a now or never attitude. When we face, or when they face, face difficulty, they could have just left them there at the door. They could have said, yeah, we're coming back tomorrow, or when the crowd dispersed. But they knew their, their friend needed help, and they were willing to risk everything because of that. Sometimes when we face difficulty, it's hard to press through, but sometimes difficulty can incite determination in us. And I think that's what we hold on to. And then when we succeed, it's even sweeter. I have this picture of those guys looking down through the roof after they'd lowered their friend and setting right at the feet of Jesus. They didn't know where the hole was that, you know, to get him right there. But it was like God guided them in a sense to get their friend right at the feet of Jesus. And the sweetness of, of knowing that um, their persistence paid out in a sense. It takes persistence to build community. Um, it's more than, well, I reached out to them once or I invited them to church. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes hearing the heart of God for others. It's like more than just dropping in for a visit, it's, it's meeting for coffee on a regular basis. It's, it's going out to lunch. It's investing of your most valuable resource. That's your time. So, so we talk about being present, being persistent, and all that requires sacrifice. And, and, and that's a difficult word, right? Because, because if, if we're in it for us, if I enter into a relationship for what I can get, the idea of sacrificing time and energy is, is kind of a difficult kind of concept, right? And it'd be both of those guys, both of that, those groups sacrifice time and energy. But what I would suggest to you is that the group in Luke separated itself because they sacrificed and risked their reputation. Now you imagine being that group of people, right? Everybody tells you stop at the door and you got your buddy with you and he's like, dude, sorry, not going any further. And yes, one of them, or two of them, or three of them, get it in their heads, like, I got an idea, we'll cut a hole on the roof. Imagine the group of people, because it was Jesus surrounded by, by other teachers, the, the really important people, important people of society, the people that you wouldn't want to attract attention to, they're going, what in the world is going on up there? And yet they risked everything for their friends. When we enter into relationship in a group, in a community, we have to be selfless. The selfishness that is celebrated today is the scourge of community. Because the minute I enter into a relationship with a group of people with a common cause, only concerned about myself and what I can get out of it and what I need, then I counteract all the power that a community brings. I'm the big giant sucking sponge that sucks the life out of everything else because, well, it's about me. 
And really, we think that way. I mean, not you guys. You guys are awesome. But hypothetically, other churches at times think that way. Well, I just need to be poured into. I just need it about me. I just need this time about me. And then society will tell you, if I, when I get to be happy, the time that I'm really happy, then I can just be there for somebody else. But it's just about me right now. And that, honestly, is, it has the, the scope of an onion. You can keep peeling that baby back, and then you can look at the plate, and it's like, oh, it's just a bunch of pieces. We need to be able to sacrifice. We need to be able to, to lay aside. The, the definition of a community is, is being defined by a specific characteristic. Jesus tells us in John, they shall know that you are my disciples by your love. What a powerful thing that would be. Watch the time. There's a phrase called, it takes a village to raise a child. Don't associate that with Hillary. <laughs> um, it's a proverb that means it takes an entire community of different people interacting with children so that they experience and grow in a safe environment. In Luke, the story, it took more than one person to carry that paralyzed man. It took all four guys to carry the mat. And each one had its own corner, and each one had its own like equal weight and responsibility. So community is it's team effort. And we all, every one of us are part of, part of the process of building community. Worship team, why don't you come forward? So as, as Zan and I were, were praying about today, we, we felt like even in the midst of the time change and the stuff, that God wanted to, to do something in some of your lives. For some of you, the idea of, of contributing to something larger than yourself resonates, but you really don't know how to go about doing it. You see, a community isn't just about you and Jesus. Right? A community is a group of people coming together. And in your bulletin there is a, a, a piece of paper. And some of you, actually I would say all of you, have someone in your life that's on a mat right now. It isn't here. Might not even know Jesus. But man, life is tough. And that person might just relegate themselves to what society tells them is acceptable. That this is your life. This is all your life will ever be. I'll drop you off at the gate, you beg, come home, and that's it. There's no other experience to be had. And yet, this is what I believe. I believe that you have been placed in that person's life for a reason and a purpose. Maybe just to pick up one side of that mat. Not all of it. It's a lot of burden to carry all of it. But I would love you to think about a name. And in your seat in front of you, probably there's a pen. And have the courage to, to write a name down. And nobody, we can either do two things. We can collect them and on Wednesday and all through the week, I will pray and a team will pray and then our, our, on Wednesday night we'll pray. And if that's the case, just put them on the... When you walk out, you'll see a, a list of prayer, and there's a basket, I think, there. You can just put them in there, and we'll put them up, and then we'll pray about them, or take them home. But who's that on the mat that God has brought your way? 
Who has God asked you to serve? Who has God asked you to, to look at? Who has God asked you to, to minister to? And it's not just about bringing them to church. But it's about sharing life with them. It's about introducing them to Jesus in ways that they would understand. And so I'd love for to pray about that. So if, it, if you haven't wrote it down and it's in your head right now, can you just hold this in your hand as a symbol of that person? Father, you see these, these pieces of paper. You see the, the names that are either written on them or will be written on them. And I pray, God, that even now that your Holy Spirit would begin to stir in their hearts the possibility that there's something more. And that, God, these men and women that you have brought this person to mind with, that they would not stop because society tells them to. That they would not stop pursuing them because they are deemed unclean or unfit or unworthy of what society would deem acceptable. And I would go so far as even to say what church is deemed acceptable. That, God, in Christianity there is no gate that stops men and women. That in Christianity, all can come before the Father. And so, Lord, I pray a, a, a time this week that would be given and a time that would be able to be shared. Words that would be given that would be encouragement and courage that it would take to enter into relationship. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let me say one more thing about this. This does not make you God and the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are not judge, jury, and executioner of all things in the world. That's not what the people did. The people brought them to the foot of Jesus and let Jesus be Jesus to them. Okay, so I, I want to encourage you on that. Lay him at Christ's feet and let Christ be Christ. We're a poor semblance of the Messiah. Well, let him be in. Okay, go ahead. This is an interesting part of it. The end of that story in Luke. The, the, the men were probably motivated by, you know, the physical need of their friend. Jesus saw beyond that to his deepest need. His need for forgiveness. Because <laughs> he answered, he says, it says Jesus saw their faith and he, and he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. He looks beyond sometimes that, that physical outward need into the very need that we have that's deeper. And in, in the midst of that beauty of being forgiven, the man also was physically healed. And the very thing he was brought in on, the mat, he picked it up and he walked out holding it. Yes. We just, where are you guys today? Are you on the mat and desperately needing a community to come around you and support you? Or maybe you're one of those who says, you know what? I've 
if there's somebody who feel that, it's like they need prayer. We just want to offer the opportunity. You guys come down here. And if it's one of you who says, you know what? I, I want to be there. I want to be the one taking Jesus or being that support for you. You guys come down too and pray for those who may need it. So just in the next five minutes or so. If you guys need prayer, listen to this song and, and come down. We'll pray with you. And then again, if God has laid it on your heart to lift up another, why don't we stand?